Hello and welcome back to Conversations with the Mind. I'm your host, as always, Shane Lamaster. I want to welcome everybody back to the podcast and, as always, say thank you. Um, it's because of you listeners that our message is getting out and our audience is growing. So thank you so much. Every week we get more and more listeners and we get more and more listens to the older episodes too. So feel free, if, if this is the first episode that you're listening to, to go ahead and go back and listen to some of the first ones. Um, so thank you, everybody that is liking and sharing our podcast as well. That's another great way that we try and get this podcast to as many people as possible. So thank you. Um, without you guys, you know, we would, I don't know why we would be doing this. So um, I also want to let you know that you can donate to the podcast. We don't take any profits from the podcast itself, but uh, we do accept donations. And this is in an effort to upgrade our equipment so that we can produce a better, more high quality message for you. So my goal that I've set for myself is 40 podcasts, and once I get there, I will upgrade my speakers, uh, upgrade my microphones, and I'm going to retrofit a spot in my house for a podcast studio. So all the profits for this podcast go directly to that and to getting you guys um, bigger and better content, um, hopefully in the future being able to fly out guests that I know that um, are across the country that we'd like to fly in. So please donate if you like to. You can do that right on the podcast website. Uh, as always, we are sponsored by MindOps, my private practice counseling company. You can find us at mindops.com. That's M-I-N-D hyphen O-P-S.com. We're a full-service private counseling and consulting firm. Um, I consider us a, a mobile company because we will come to your location or we can do sessions over Skype. Um, you know, we're, we're more than, uh, more than trained in, in doing that. So reach out to us on the website. If you have any mental health or sport or performance, um, needs, we do addiction counseling. We do psychedelic integration therapies. We do general psychotherapy and we do sport and performance psychology. So, on to our good news section of the podcast. We like to spread a little bit of hope and cheer in your life and hopefully bring about some positivity in this world where we seem to be surrounded by um, mostly negative messages. So, like just like Gandhi said, we're trying to be that change that we want to see and we want to see more good news. So, our good news story, um, the, the title of the story is Police Officer Adopts Baby of Homeless Woman Battling Drug Addiction. And I just thought this story was amazing. Um, the title drew me in right away. Um, I've not personally been the biggest fan of police, um, my life just because of my past history with them as an adolescent and getting into a lot of trouble. Um, you know, I had this, this fear of them, um, or disrespect of them, but in my more adult years, you know, I, I've trained with lots and lots of police officers. I have trained a lot of police officers in hand to hand and self-defense things. And, um, I've formed a lot of good friendships, you know, beyond what they do and, and come to respect uh, a lot of police officers for what they do. So this this story came out and um, this male police officer was, was on duty one day and found a, a homeless pregnant woman who was having, uh, she was giving birth um, and she was under the influence of drugs. You know, the baby had been exposed to drugs in the womb and this police officer helped deliver the baby and um, took it upon himself to adopt this baby. Uh, pretty amazing, not not only to say for what our police do, but for anybody to find, you know, um, a baby on the street that has significant, um, you know, fetal alcohol syndrome and, and drug abuse issues before even being born. Um, it's amazing that someone's willing to, you know, take that, that on um, and do it with, with vigor and, and joy and love. Um, 
so I think that's pretty amazing, especially coming from the addiction field too, where we see that our environment plays the biggest impact on whether we become addicted to drugs ourselves. Um, so even if this baby has a lot of, you know, addictions coming straight out of out of um, the womb, this baby has a really good chance, given that the the new family provides it a good, stable, loving environment that it will never even express those addiction genes. So pretty cool stuff. Um, all right, so I want to welcome our, our guest to the podcast today, uh, my friend Jerome Caro. I've known Jerome for about a year, and we met, uh, he just walked into um, the jiu-jitsu gym that we train at about a year ago. I think it was last November. This is October, so just about a year, and he's been training with our team um, was welcomed right away and and has really been pushing himself to get better in that realm. Um, Jerome works in in a lot of different areas, uh, mostly environmental health and safety uh, within the oil and gas industry. So those are those are all super important topics, especially um, for us trying to raise our conscious awareness around issues such as the environment, personal health, and uh, personal safety. So um, it's kind of cool to have someone like him on the, on the podcast to share his perspective. Um, but I also wanted to have Jerome on today because, you know, Jerome's come up to me quite a few times in the gym, you know, you know, in the 10 minutes when everybody's stretching before class and uh, whether it was something he heard on the podcast or just something from his life, he, he'd come up to me and you know, we get in these really deep conversations about topics that I love talking about, right? Like I, I, one of my pet peeves is surface level conversation, right? It's so worthless to me. I would much rather spend my time on this earth discussing topics that are going to like help improve myself and help improve humanity. So, um, you know, we have a lot of overlap there as far as our interests. And I really wanted to bring him on because of our similar interests and, um, just talk and, and see what his perspective is on this stuff. So welcome to the podcast, Jerome. Really appreciate it, man. I'm uh, very, very excited to be here. So I appreciate you having me on and thinking that your audience would find value in whatever it is we have to discuss today. Sure. Well, yeah, that's, you know, um, it's one thing about human beings is, you know, we all bring value. We all bring value to the, to the race. Um, unfortunately, some of us take a lot more than we give back, but we all have some value. And whether we know what that value is and how we share that with people or not, we all have it. So welcome. Um, so I always start my podcast off with the same question. Um, so I'll go ahead and ask you the same question. The, the phrase conversations with the mind, so obviously the title of the podcast, when you hear that phrase, what comes to mind for you or what, what resonates with you? What does conversations with the mind mean to you? Um... <clears throat> much like your podcast is, it's raw, unfiltered um, conversation. That, that's that's kind of what I think about when I, when I hear the phrase conversations with the mind, is the, the unfiltered and rawness of uh, people. And I'm very, very intrigued by the human condition and what what makes people tick and what makes people do the things that they do. I've noticed that about you. You're always, you're always having questions about yourself. You know, you seem to be on a very, um, you know, a very ripe, uh, path of self-discovery right now, you know, but also you notice a lot of things in other people and, um, you question like how, how can someone operate that way? Or how does someone think 
that way. Um, not that they're right or wrong, but just trying to understand from a different perspective. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, that's exactly, you know, I feel right in line with, with what this podcast is all about, which is exploring each other's experience. Yep. So um, why don't you let the, the audience know a little bit about what what's all wrapped up in your work with environmental health and safety in the gas and oil industry, which is huge right now. It's booming. Right. Um, but obviously, you know, there's a lot of people out there with like environmental concerns because of this industry, health concerns for the, the public and, the, you know, towns that are surrounding it. Um, and then obviously safety issues for the workers. Um, I work with a lot of oil field guys myself in the addiction field. So, um, yeah, why don't you let, let us know what, what you do? So <clears throat> what I do primarily is uh, for the company that I work for, we, we're a pipeline company. So... It, it's mainly just making sure that we're in, in, we follow all the regulatory compliance guidelines. I deal a lot with OSHA, with with uh, PHMSA, which is the pipeline um, section of DOT. I deal with DOT, FMCSA. Um, just making sure that you, you know, I, I preach to my guys every day that the most dangerous thing that they do, whether they want to realize it or not, is driving around on the roads. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a huge concern. Um, for me, because half the time, you know, there's distracted driving. Guys are, people are on their phones. I've seen people putting makeup on, eating, doing mm-hmm. whatever while they're driving. And that's a huge concern. You know, a lot of our tanks and the things, uh, a lot of our equipment, I mean, they're essentially mobile bombs. Yeah. Right? Hazardous material, yeah. for sure. So um, I deal a lot with that. Uh, just ensuring that our guys, realist, that we have measures in place to ensure that our guys get home the same way that they arrived at work the mm-hmm. same day, that day. So. so is most of your focus internal within the company, or do you also uh, help like put surrounding communities' um, worries at rest? So my my main focus is mostly internal. However, I, I have a, a, one of my, I wouldn't say colleagues, but someone who I uh, kind of report to for a different, for a client, um, this guy's deep, deep, deep in that world. You know, he's an ex-FBI, ex-DEA agent. Wow. So um, I pick his brain as often as I can. Um, Hopefully you can share some with the with all of us. Right, yeah. right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's deeply, deeply embedded in that aspect of it. And a lot of people, you know, I've, I've been out to sites where, uh, I mean, in one day, in one, one day on a drilling site, there they'll have 30, 40 complaints. And every time there's a complaint, the state has to come out and do their, do their checks and all this stuff. So um, it's extremely, extremely hev- heavily regulated. And uh, I think a lot of people don't, aren't aware of that. Yeah. They just think that people are out there doing whatever the hell they want. Sure. You know? So regulation is, is good and all. Um, I deal with a lot of regulatory agencies in my industry too with counseling because we're dealing with people's minds, you know, right. um, and it's very fragile material and we can definitely do more harm if we don't know what we're doing. Um, but what, what we find in our industry, or I shouldn't say all of us, but me and a lot of my colleagues find is that the regulatory agencies are usually staffed by people who have never worked in the field themselves and don't have a grasp or, or their finger on the pulse of what's really important and what could really help. 
So what ends up happening is the regulatory agencies step in to try and regulate our practice, but they prevent us from doing a lot of things that we need to do to keep our clients the safest, right? right. Um, do you find that as well in your industry that like OSHA and the other regulatory agencies, you mentioned the states as well, have an impact? It sounds like the states are kind of have their fingers in it and know what's going on, but do the regulatory agencies know what's going on? Because you see it firsthand. Um, I would say I would basically mimic exactly what you just said. Mm -hmm. um, and, but on the state level, I mean, right now there's a huge thing going on for Proposition 112, which is essentially... I've heard about it. Which is essentially uh, a complete ban on this industry in this, in this state. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really crazy uh, that, you know, at surface level it sounds like it'd be good. Because it's it right now the setbacks are uh, five hundred feet or and a thousand feet from uh, st you know standing buildings or occupied occupied buildings and streams and all that stuff. But in the event that this were to go through, um, it essentially would just decimate that entire industry, which that industry is, is a thirty billion dollar industry in this in this sit or in this state alone. Wow. So you think about that revenue. That's a ton of um, revenue gone. You know, yeah, completely gone. Mm -hmm. And by 2030, I believe, uh, everything that I've read and seen, there's the impact in terms of jobs would be upwards of 130,000 mm -hmm. jobs just kind of gone away. Mm -hmm. uh, however, my, my specific company, that wouldn't hit us. It'd probably take a couple of years for us to, for that, if that were to, to actually go through for that mm -hmm. to actually impact us, mm -hmm. um, but it's a it's a huge concern for everyone in our industry right now. Sure, and I don't talk to you know most of the time when I talk to people from your industry. Obviously, you guys are pro oil and gas um, for the most part because it means your job, right? Um, and then I talk to people on the other side too, who say a lot of things like, you know, this is wrecking the environment or this is gonna you know do damage to my unborn child or, you know, whatever. So there's definite, like, environmental concerns, aesthetic concerns, things like that. Um, it seems like there's these two camps that are just in a battle together. Um, and, it you know, I don't know if there's any kind of compromise being trying to be worked out, but what do you see? I mean, it's one, one thing to, you know, are we weighing jobs over protecting the environment or vice versa, right? Do we do we put emphasis on human beings or do we put emphasis on uh, nature and animals? Like it's this huge debate, right? Yeah. And I I am a very conflicted individual when it comes to that specifically. Sure. Um me too. You know, cuz you know, every, everything that we have is a petroleum based product. Absolutely. Virtually everything mm -hmm. that we have. Um is it viable to get away from it? Um well, the hemp industry is coming right. around. Congress just um, decriminalized uh, industrial hemp production. Really? Yeah. So I bought my hemp stocks. Nice. <laughs> and supporting everything being made of hemp now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm kind of torn between the two. You know, at this point in my life, I don't have children that I'm having to, to look after or worry about the world that I'm bringing them into. Sure. So... For me personally, that's not a huge concern, but it may may be more so in the future. Mm -hmm. So, so it sounds like you're always leaving yourself open to to changing your views on things, which is healthy. 
Right. You know, it's it's not very healthy to become closed-minded on any issue whatsoever. You know, the Buddhists liken this to uh, what they talk when they talk about attachment, right? Like we shouldn't get attached to anything too too deeply, right? We shouldn't even become attached to any particular idea or any particular scientific theory or any. Um, you know, we can't be attached to, I know for sure that every time I do this, this is going to happen, right? Because one time it's not going to happen that way, right? And you become uh, disappointed and, you know, we perpetuate our own suffering. But um, that's that's interesting. Well, and, and I have, I also run a division that has, you know, have 22 people under me I, on uh, five sites that are 24-hour operations, which can get a little hectic, a little stressful, um, up until recently, well, about a month ago, I got someone underneath me to kind of manage that and take control of that so I can focus on more big-picture things within my organization. But when it comes to the environment and people, you know, I realized once this kind of took off that it's not just about me. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, especially with having X amount of employees. When I, when I came on board at this organization, there were 10 people. And we built it up to 115. Well, right right now we're around 115. At our, at our peak a couple of years ago, it was probably 160, 170 people, which is just blows our mind, mm-hmm. you know. And when you have people that you direct that you're directly involved with, and you, you know, I mean, the decisions that we make every day regarding our business impacts people that I don't even know exist. Yeah. Right. It's it's more than just me. It's more than just the people that I have direct contact with mm-hmm. who are the employees. They have people, X amount of people that rely on them showing up every day mm-hmm. and uh, whether, you know, and this, and then you tie that into the safety aspect of it too. I, I, uh, we've been fortunate enough to not have to make that call in terms of, you know, calling some, uh, uh, in terms of calling someone's emergency contacts for yeah you know real detrimental things but yeah i think you brought up something really important about this ripple effect that happens that you know we're all aware happens when we you know we do something great for somebody and then someone pays it forward right we have this ripple effect so we're aware of it sometimes but you know the more i think about that that idea of this ripple effect, you know, we do have so much more impact on everything we come in contact with, every person we come in contact with, every animal, every plant, uh, every interaction with matter, (laughs) with electrons and protons that we have, has a metaphysical effect on it, right? This has been proven in uh, metaphysics and quantum physics and things like that. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's so, you know, it goes so deep. Um, which, you know, leads me to one of my next questions for you that I, you know, I know you and I have talked about this a little bit on the mats, but um, when it comes to consciousness, right? So we've been talking a lot about practical things that are happening in the real world, 3D world, right? But when it comes to consciousness, you know, no one can nail down where that is located, you know, even if it's even within our body or not. Um, But you seem to have a very strong interest in consciousness itself and have done some exploration yourself into your own consciousness. So in general, you know, what are your thoughts on the nature of consciousness? So it's been about five years uh, 
in a past life, I, I may have dab dabbled into psychedelics. Mm -hmm. and, it's a great tool to explore consciousness. And, you know, in the early stages of dabbling into that, it was about having fun and, you know, doing whatever with my friends. And it got to a point, I, I lived in St. Louis, Missouri for a few years when I was going to school out there. And I got an opportunity out here. And I decided uh, to take that. And I basically uprooted my entire life in five days, mm -hmm. less than 10 days. And during that, that five days, my friends out there threw me a party, um, like kind of a going away party. And someone had mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was sitting there on the couch after a couple hours and was looking around and I was thinking, you know, this is really great. I'm just some random person who popped up in these per people's lives and they all took me in whether if I, if I was going home, you know, I, these people's, these kids' families kind of took me in and they were like, Hey, are you going home for this holiday? If not, you're go, you have a seat at our table. Nice. And, uh, for me being someone who was completely new to that area and having those kind of resources was huge, but I was sitting there on the couch looking around at all my friends and thinking, man, you know, the one thing that we're all after at the end of the day is that connection with other people. Mm. And that kind of changed things for me. And that, that really made me want to, uh, to be better in the sense that, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've mentioned that I'm a little socially awkward. Yeah. Um, totally, totally 100% my fault just because you, at the beginning, at the intro of this podcast, you mentioned that you, um, oh man, sorry. I forgot no, it's all good. Uh, social anxiety, social awkwardness. So it's kind of the opposite of, of this, um, this aha moment that you got, you know, when you're sitting on the couch on mushrooms that everyone just wants to be connected. Right. Yeah. So I mean, did you discover that within yourself? Like, I really just want to be connected, but I'm so, you know, I, I don't know how or... I want to be connected, but with, with things of value. That was it. You mentioned mm. that you didn't, don't have interest in the... in the Surface level. Surface level bullshit talk. Yeah. I, I'm totally not interested in that either. Either I'm more, you know, I have plenty of friends who, you know, will invite me out to go get a beer and catch up, but I'm not interested in that. Mm -hmm. You know, if I, I like substance and um, what that experience on the couch made me realize that the relationships that I had made there were so powerful and were filled with substance because of that inviting nature of the people that I was around. Mm -hmm. And that that kind of changed my mind about a lot of things and to not be as cold as I was, I guess, at the time. But So it opened you up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We, f we hear that frequently in the psychedelic therapy literature um, and in just anecdotal, um, you know, trip reports that it definitely produces an opening up. You know, um, we, you know, I mentioned before, you know, this Buddhist concept of not being attached to any idea or thought, right? These psychedelics are pro probably the best tool I've found to sort of shatter your current paradigm, your current uh, mindset, your current... Um, way of approaching life and just shatter it and then put the pieces back together with more useful bits right? right so you know a lot of times when I find myself in really tough spots in life you know not having the answers or or just feeling stuck um, a lot of times it's because I'm too attached to 
particular ideas of who I should be or particular ideas of what I should be doing. Um, and I become depressed, right? And then I use a psychedelic in a, in a you know, shamanic or ther- therapeutic way to sort of shatter that paradigm for a minute, uh, reset me, and then put the pieces back together and show me what's really important, right? And over and over, you get shown that connection, 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 connect, right? Um, part of the reason why I love our sport so much, jiu-jitsu, um, because of, you know, yeah, it's one of the most physically connecting sports that I've ever participated in. Um, but the bonds that you build with people on the mat through, you know, not just the joke, we joke around and we, we laugh and we have a good time, but we bond through strife. You know, we bond through the same challenges. We're all going through, you know, in a three minute round, like the other day when we were training, you know, uh, we're all paired up with people at the same level. We're all struggling for that three minutes. And we all come out of it having lived, right? And we're right. like, holy shit, like, I'm out of breath and I'm beat up, but I'm alive, you right. know? And people on the couch are not doing this stuff, you know? Um, so super connecting, and I, I use it for that. Um, have you found those kind of, the depth in connection out here in Colorado since you moved out here? Yeah, well, so I, I was actually from here, and then I moved to Missouri for school. And then oh, I, I back. see. But, but yeah, um, you know, a lot of my friends just really aren't, we're just not on the same page in mm-hmm. terms of big picture type things. Yeah. Most of the people that I know are more concerned with, well, what time is it? When, how quickly can I grab a sure. beer? You know? Or even if you mention, you know, uh, what do you think the big picture is? They'll mention things like global economies and the survival of the planet, right? When we're thinking about topics you know, way beyond the cosmos and the very fabric of reality and, you know, arena simulation and all these huge questions. So back to my original question, you know, no, it's fine. Um, What are your thoughts on the nature of consciousness as far as like all the theories that you've read or heard about? How do you put together the pieces and how do you perceive consciousness? It's scary, really, when when you get to thinking about it, because I don't, I don't know what's real. Mm-hmm. To me, you know, no. When you really think about it, no one knows what's really real. Right. You know, I, I grew up in a in a situation where I was forced into a Christian relig- You know, that kind of background, and I'm the kind of person who's naturally curious. So I ask questions. I'm gonna ask questions that can't be answered. That's when I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. you know. Um, that's that's where I really really step back and and try to figure things out and if things don't make sense then especially in the religious world um coming from that kind of background you know i i turned the other cheek and kind of just went around went along my own path but uh in terms of consciousness uh yeah i mean i've i've dabbled in the simulation theory which we kind of briefly briefly talked about on the mat and uh that seems a lot more plausible than a lot of other things that are, or at least the common things that are out there, mm-hmm. to me at least. Yeah, I agree. I feel like, um, so for those of you listeners who have never heard of the simulation theory, um, I'll just give a, a brief synopsis with my limited understanding. So the simulation theory says that it is unquantifiably more um, likely that we are currently living within a simulation, almost like a computer program, like the Matrix movies, literally, uh, maybe not with 
ourselves being a battery on the other side, but living um, consciousness within um, some kind of simulation or computer system, um, that it's more likely that that is true than we're living in the actual base reality, um, which is what we've always thought, that this is what's real, which is what we're experiencing, but we're coming to find that with new theories in quantum physics and, and um, fractals and multiple dimensions being this literally discovered by science, like it's it's crazy um, to think that what we've known the entirety of human history that this is our reality is is not it's a lie right so as far as consciousness fits into that right um you know if if simulation theory is real where do you think do you think we're all maybe individual consciousness or do you think we are all in I'm, I'm one to believe that we're all sort of like individual splinters in one giant stick of consciousness or uh, almost individual threads in one giant rope of consciousness that we're all intertwined and we're all part of this same big thing, but we're trying to experience every single possible uh, experience we can as human beings or as animals or right. as plants, right? right. And that, uh, that it, you know, I had this vision once on a, on a ketamine uh, journey that I did where I felt like I was shown um, the universe or consciousness um, in its first form and that it just had an innate desire to experience um, every single experience there was out there to have in infinitude, right? And so it decided to fractalize itself into all these different people, animals, plants, fibers, atoms, molecules to try and experience every single possible combination of experiences um, and that that's what's going on right now. And then eventually once it experiences all all the possibilities that are out there, it will blink out back into existence having been satisfied um, with its little experiment, right? <laughs> Which at first when I saw that, I'm like, oh my God, that means my life is meaningless. You know, it's just one little part of this huge thing. But also, I felt that connection, right? I felt not only a connection, like a friend connection to this consciousness, but it was as if I am that consciousness, you know, that there's nothing to be afraid of, that I'm not going to cease to exist. Um, maybe this version, this Shane version is going to cease to exist, but at my base consciousness, you know, I'm still going to be there. I'm just going to have a, I'm going to have the experience of Jerome. I'm going to have the experience of my dog, I'm gonna, right. you know, in, in this huge library of experience. See, when you dive into it as deeply as, as that, mm -hmm. that's where it really freaks me out. Mm -hmm. It really, really freaks me out when you, when you get into that level of, of thinking about it. Um, so much so that I've not gotten that far. Yeah. <laughs> well, what freaks you out about it? I think it freaks a lot of people out is why I'm asking because I think a lot of people are interested in this subject, but it, is, it can be terrifying to have to question your very existence, right? And to... You know, what happens when you actually conclude that you don't exist? Then what happens, right? Right. And well, and when you think about, um, I, I think about what I'm doing, not only professionally, I have a couple other things that I'm diving into because trying to eventually get away from the golden handcuff. Mm -hmm. And um, when you really, when I really, sometimes I sit down and think about it and it's like, what, why? Right. Why, why am I doing this to myself in terms of mental health and stuff and being balls to the wall all the time and what 
all, constantly having to put out fires every, every day in my world is just crazy. So that's why I love when I can actually make it to jiu-jitsu because nothing else matters for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Not a single thing matters. It's a, it's a way for me to get away from my phone and not have to constantly filter phone calls and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, so I, I try not to think of existence in, in that realm, although a lot of times I, I definitely feel like, um, yeah, what's the point sure. of doing any of this? Yeah, so that brought up a, uh, a question that I wanted to ask you for sure, and I'll get back to that here in a sec, but while we're on the topic of jujitsu, I just wanted to say that I find that no matter what I do in the day, how how cognitively engaging it is, it seems like when I'm on the mats performing the moves in jiu-jitsu, I am interacting at the most purest level with consciousness, right? Most people think of jiu-jitsu as um, mostly physical, right. you know, especially if you've never done it before. Um, and it's extremely physical, you know. But more than that, hundred times more is an interaction that you're having with your consciousness, with your ego, with your inner dialogue, you know, with the story that you're telling yourself about yourself as you're losing to somebody, right? It's this pure interaction with your consciousness. And you're, you know, at the same time, you're like a sculptor, you know, you're, you're molding it, you're figuring out, you know, oh, this state of mind is not helpful. I'm going to go ahead and chip that i'm going to chisel that off right so we're refining our consciousness through this practice right and that's why i think it's it's partially called an art is because it engages that creative side of ourselves it helps us become more than human right right so then you know what you said like you said what's the point sometimes right we're asking what's the point so then i had a question for you um you know because i ask myself this uh, all the time you know there's this duality between living in this present reality as our human selves but then also having the knowledge that we're much greater than our human selves that we're a spiritual being that we're energy that is infinite and is never going to die right and we're that simultaneously so then the question comes in you know should we be seeking to embrace our human experience or to transcend it or both like is it one or the other or are we here for both reasons oh <laughs> yeah, uh I've heard both ways from monks in the in the Buddhist um uh, tradition where monks will say, you know, being born as a human is as rare as um, you know, taking a silk sheet across a mountaintop and it wears down all the way to to the ocean level and, you know, that that amount of time is the amount of time it takes to be born a human. So, embrace it and then other monks will say you're not your human body. You need to get over that. You need to find out who you really are if you want to transcend to the next level. See, yeah, I mean, we've already won the lottery by being born. Absolutely. When you think about it, fuck. Um, Especially to be born in this country at this time. Oh, man, I, I thank my lucky stars every freaking day that I'm a, we're able to candidly have a conversation like this without having to worry about stepping outside and having, you know, being bombed or something or something crazy, mm-hmm. catastrophic happening. Um, but yeah, I, I am very, uh, I really try to use this existence, whatever this is, to the best of my ability. And that involves helping as many people as I possibly can. Um, you know, I've been told 
by a couple people. Again, I have a couple other things going on, but um, Sienna, for instance, mm-hmm. she mentioned she was doing something the other day, making something, and I mentioned because I'm very business minded, I guess, and uh, I mentioned her selling it on Etsy or something because it was really good. She she could definitely make some money, and she's like, oh oh, I forgot you can't do anything unless unless you're making money. You know, which was kind mm. of a jab at me. Yeah, totally. Because I'm very focused on my existence and where I'm going and how I want things to play out. And nothing happens if you don't take action. Right. And um, I'm a pretty firm believer that, at least in this existence, that things don't ha- most of the time, aside from freak accidents, um, things don't happen to you. They happen because of you. Mm. So I'm doing all that I can to ensure that um, whatever future I have with people, you know, I'm, I'm, work, I'm more so looking out for people that don't even exist yet in terms of my lineage, you know? Yeah. So trying to do everything I can to, um, but also also live as righteous as I can or live, live as peacefully and as, uh, you know, and harmoniously with other people in, in the society and be... Um, a good influence on at least people that I come in contact with. You mentioned the people that you come in contact with. I mean, I every person you come in contact with could potentially change your life. Absolutely. Degree, you know, so that's always in the back of my mind when I'm approaching situations. And um, but in terms of <laughs> transcending, yeah, that's again, to, that's a scary thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm one to believe that transcendence is bound to happen to everybody eventually. Right. It's going to take everybody on their own time. Um, you know, I feel like what you described, you know, helping people, I think that's the most important thing that people can do with their existence in this consciousness, in this physical form is to give back more than they take give back more to the human species than you take from it and that means taking account for everything you take from it um you know no offense but all plastic that we use right we have to take account for these things right are we reusing them like we should be or are we just disposing them right so putting more back into it trying to find new solutions so that we can make things more sustainable um I think that's the most important people thing people can do is add to somebody else's life, right? Um, so if the if the audience takes any message at all, give back more than you take from from the world, okay? And this will be a damn good place. Um, I personally want to take it for myself, take it a little bit further, and I believe you know this, it's important that we have people like myself who have a passion for exploring consciousness and what it is and what it's about and trying to find those answers. I don't know if we're going to find out in my lifetime what consciousness is. Um, but I love, I love the journey. I love every new little insight that I get, right? It fuels me and it changes, you know, my mind gets blown and my world gets rocked at least a thousand times a year. Oh, and I love it. Well, just cause every new little perspective totally changes my perspective on my history, on where I'm going in the future, on where I am now, Um, am I even here? You know, all these huge questions, right? Um, but you know, that's not for everybody. 
to explore the depths of consciousness is not for everybody. Um, I just think it's important that everybody realize how connected we really are and that, you know, that, that guy flipping you off down the road has a family and he has his own issues, you know, and maybe he's hurting inside and actually needs a hug, you know, and doesn't need you to flip him off and yell back at him. Right. Um, cause that's just confirming his, his current, um, reality of, you know, having a shit life or whatever, you know, so changing people's lives with every interaction, being the best version of yourself. Oh, and I'm, I'm 100% about that in every aspect of my life, mm-hmm. which is part of the reason why I picked up going to jiu-jitsu. I know I've been not the best student because I haven't been able to make that time commitment because of my professional life. But, um, yeah, that's, that's a huge reason why I joined that. And uh, you mentioned something just now. That's okay. It'll come back to you. Um, but I do want to know, you know, uh, it's been, I don't, I don't want to say this in a braggadocious way or anything. It's been a long time since I've been a beginner in jujitsu. Um, and I still remember a little bit about the beginner's mindset in there. I remember how frustrating it is. I remember how, uh, how many you know, times my ego got shattered, how many times I was humbled, how many times me, a grown man with a lifetime of combat martial arts experience would go home after jujitsu practice and cry my ass off in the shower because of some pain that I had or some inability to, you know, perform something. Um, you know, it's, I want to, I want to ask you, you know, from a beginner's perspective and that's no offense to you at all, Yeah, none taken. but you know, what have you, uh, what has your experience been and what is your perspective on jujitsu having been in it for a year? Um, it's very humbling, first off. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned ego. I mean, that's the one place where you w- roll in there and there's none of that. Once you're on the mats, there's none of that, with with our group at least. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's there for the same reason, to learn, to get better. And for me as a beginner, um, yeah, it, it's... Okay, I, I just really wish I, I could make the time commitment more of a thing, which I'm working on, but... Um, a lot of it for me is the discipline the discipline aspect of it because if you're not in that world people don't understand what it takes people don't understand what it takes to get to your level or Joe's level or Z's level and I I definitely feel like for me personally, I, I've always been the type of person when I when I want to do something, I just go do it. Mm-hmm. I've never had, uh, you know, got to a point when I, you know, eighth grade when I quit doing team sports because I don't know if you've noticed I'm a little vertically challenged. <laughs> so I quit growing, quit doing team sports, picked up skateboarding and all and snowboarding and playing music. And those are all things that I didn't need other people to do mm-hmm. with. You know, I didn't need other people to do that stuff with. And... Um, Jiu-jitsu for me initially started as something, A, to keep me active. And it's a practical discipline to learn that's, that I can actually utilize in real life. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm mimicking what you said earlier about not being interested in things that aren't going to help me progress sure. forward. Um, and that's, it's very functional. Yeah. Very applicable to real life, potentially. You mm-hmm. know, And keeps me in shape. And it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Well, it keeps your physical self in shape, but it also keeps your mental self in shape, too. Yeah, yeah, and it allows me to, again, um, 
most of the things that I do, whether it's riding dirt bikes or skateboarding or snowboarding, I mean, that jujitsu is another form of escapism for me. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, it can be very meditative, you know, escape from the, the anxieties and the stresses of the day for sure. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, and I find this too, it's kind of funny to me, um, you know, you said people don't understand what it takes, you know, to to do anything in jujitsu. Um, you know, you, you're at the white belt three stripe, one stripe, yeah. white belt one stripe, yeah. and you've been in it for a year but, and you don't, I mean, you don't even have an idea of what it takes to get to brown belt. Oh, no. But you have way more of an idea than anyone off the street, right? Because you, you know how hard it was to get that one stripe on your belt, right? And all the, the blood, sweat, and tears it took, right? More than most people do in a year. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny to me because on the street, you know, um, I might be talking to some big, tough guy, looks big and tough, but... You know, I'll say, yeah, I'm a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, and just kind of laugh at it. You know, most people's understanding of jiu-jitsu is like uh, stereotypical kung fu, karate, martial arts, right? Um, So they're like, yeah, that's nothing, bro. (laughs) But little do they know, like, you know, it it took me, it's taken me 13 years to get this far in something, and staying consistent three to four times a week for 13 years with something takes a lot of fortitude in and of itself let alone walking out of the gym every day feeling like you can't walk you know or waking up the next morning feeling like shit and wanting to go back more um you know it took me so long because of lots of injuries and time off and surgeries and things like that but um everyone has their own path and their own journey and you know that's one thing i learned on the mats is to compare yourself to other people is doing yourself a disservice right because you're not other people so it's like comparing apples to oranges right um even if someone at the same belt level they've been on a different journey you know um i'll face brown belts in my division who have who have been doing it for six years i have twice the experience right twice the years under my belt so everyone has a different story um yeah i just find that awesome that that um you know you have an appreciation now for for yourself and what you put yourself through, but for other people that do it as well, you know, and we bond and we connect over that. Yeah. And, and that was, uh, part of the reason, well, part of the reason why I got into it too, I mentioned not being interested in small talk or bullshit right. that, you know, that most people are want to be involved with. I just, I just have zero interest in that. And, um, that journey started, and, and I actually found out that one of my old buddies, Calvin, mm-hmm. used to go. And when Z added me on Facebook, I saw that we had a mutual friend, and I was like, oh, Calvin. Like, you know, someone who I hadn't talked to in a couple of years, I thought that would be a great way to get reintroduced with him and what's going on with him. And that's something positive that we can we can share together, too, you know, in terms of friendship and whatever. So. Yeah. That's another thing I talk to with my clients about is... Um, how important it is in this human experience to find your passion. Find your passion and go after it, you know. Even if you got to do another job to pay the bills, find a passion or something that you can pursue with mastery. So I call them mastery experiences. Finding that passion, going after it, um, is so important. 
you know, um, I think there's too many people out there who are not pursuing their passion and they're just caught in the nine to five and they've lost sight of what's important and what's, what's real, you know? Yeah. Um, but another important aspect that I think you, you brought up is that I also emphasize that sharing your passions, you know, only, you know, it only serves to boost the benefits that you get from that passion, right? right? So it's one thing to have a passion for snowboarding, right? And do it all the time by yourself. It's a whole nother ball game when you go like with a group of five friends who all love snowboarding, right? right? It just elevates your enjoyment and the benefit that you get from those experiences. And that's one thing jujitsu does. You can drill it on your own. You can learn online. But once you get on the mat with other people, your game is totally changed. Well, and that's part of the reason. I, I really enjoy rolling with you and Joe. Mm-hmm. Because bringing up skateboarding and stuff, sure, that was all stuff and playing music and learning various instruments and whatever. Sure, that's all stuff I could do on my own without the aid of someone else. But I've always put, aligned myself in a position to do th- where I've done things with people who are better than me, mm-hmm. which, ult- which ultimately so makes me go that much harder and progress that much quicker. Yeah. So that's huge. I really enjoy that with you guys because you yeah. guys. Every, you know, you'll you'll say little things while we're rolling that'll get me thinking a different way, or make me realize what I'm doing wrong. And Joe does the same thing, and uh, still a work in progress. But yeah, it, I I I've always put myself in positions to do things with people who are better than me, so then I can progress that much quicker. Mm-hmm. I used to read like um, success books from successful business people and stuff, and one of the common themes was that in their biographies, they always surrounded themselves with people they wanted to be like, right? And we were talking about environment before and, and how, or I was during the good news story and how environment is such a huge factor as far as like your genetic expression, as far as, you know, how your life turns out, right? Um, there's sayings like, if you show me your friends, I'll tell you who you are. Um, so for the audience, you know, ask yourself, who are you surrounding yourself with? Um, who do you want to be like and start surrounding yourself with more positive people, more people that support your goals, more people that you want to be like, right? Um, yeah, that's one of the main reasons why in my jujitsu career, um, I will often, maybe a couple times a year, fly out to different parts of the country to train with um, friends that I have who are world champions, right? So I'll surround myself and immerse myself amongst the best of the best um, to make myself the best, right? That's who I want to be. So surrounding ourselves with leaders in our industry, or if you're a musician, you know, going and finding ways to meet your favorite musicians and to hang out with them or connect with them on social media, um, that's all possible. Yeah. Yeah. And surrounding, you don't have to be in direct connection with somebody like face-to-face like you and I are here. You know, you can be, whatever happened to pen pals, right? Right. You could be a pen pal to one of your your idols. Um, Actually, early on in my um, addiction recovery my most influential counselor at the time when I was in my inpatient treatment had me do this exercise that um, really opened my eyes to believing in myself and what was possible. He said, I want you to write three letters, three letter, write three letters to um, the three people you would like to meet the most in your life. So I don't even remember who I wrote them to, um, I re- who two of them I wrote to, but I wrote one to the Dalai Lama and I sent it off. Oh yeah, I wrote one to Gina Carano, the um, kickboxer, right. former UFC. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I forget the third one, but, um, I was so surprised the Dalai Lama wrote me back. 
never in a million years would I thought that some some man that I held in such high regard would spend the time to respond to somebody like me, right? right. And this counselor, he was he was like, yeah, that's what happens when you when you want to do something and you take a little action, the universe will respond. And that just opened my eyes like, holy shit, like I can do anything. I can meet anyone I've ever wanted to meet. I can talk to anybody. And now, you know, I go to conferences and I, I get email contacts for like leaders in my field and leaders in the psychedelic research. And, and I'm talking to people who I've read their books, you know, right. and it's so awesome, you know, and, and you get that welcoming feeling from people that you idolize and realize that you can become that, you know, yeah. surrounding yourself with those people is, is where, where it's at. Well, and we live, <clears throat> I constantly say this, that we live in the best time ever to be alive because of this thing Yeah, that we're recording this podcast yeah. on. These phones. Um, yeah. I mean, this didn't exist 10 years ago nope. or 11 years ago. And the way, you know, you're no longer confined, you know, if you're some kid growing up in rural Iowa, who, ha- who can't identify with anyone in his town, um, you now have a, a means of literally accessing the entire world and whoever you want with the yeah. click of a button. Yep. And that is so powerful. Yep. So um, the last question I have for you, because, I mean, you're, the, you're probably one of the first guests we've had on the podcast who I know has been listening to the podcast right. episodes. Um, so I, I thought it would be kind of interesting to have you share with the audience you know, what have you taken from the podcast so far? I mean, you said, I think you said you listened to five of the episodes. What have you taken from the podcast? What have you learned? Um, how have you integrated it? And what sort of benefits have you noticed? So, um, I mean, I, I, when, like when you had Z and Joe on, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, it was nice to be able to see them in a different light, mm-hmm. you know, because, my interaction with them is extremely limited, or even you and Kelly. Um, you know, just figuring out a little bit more about you guys and who you are and what you're about. Um, and then, obviously, when you've dove into your profession and, and you have pe- have had people on who are also are in that same realm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just think it's really interesting. Uh, I don't know if that answers your question. Well, what have you... Um, have you taken anything from the podcast and... Um, changed anything about yourself for the better? Um, I've really tried to be a little more. Um, where I want to put this. I want to put it on the end of the podcast. Uh, I know. I mean, has it has it like sparked new tra- trains of thought? Has it? <laughs> Has it influenced what you think about day to day? Has it influenced how you think about yourself? It's definitely helped me think a little more about me and how I approach other people. Mm -hmm. And not being as, uh, I don't know, I guess awkward and as I am. Sir, so so that's an area of your life that you've been wanting to work on and, and through yeah. the podcast you've gained some further insight into like why you do that or yeah. what? Or yeah. how to go about changing that or what? How to how to go about um yeah, I guess changing that and being more open to other people and their ideas. Um like for instance, being a musician, 
I don't know how, as much as I love music, mm-hmm. I'm very close-minded when it comes to it. Mm. You know, I have the same five bands in rotation or whatever. And, um, you know, a few weeks ago, my, my nephew came into town for some concert, and I, I took him and a few of his, his boys, and it was music that I would never in a million years listen to. But I'm sitting there thinking... Well, I'm at this concert, and every single person is singing every single word at the top of their lungs, you mm-hmm. know? and that's such a powerful thing. And I, I feel like I, for for being someone who loves music as much as I do, I shouldn't be as close-minded mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. And for being someone that is likes interaction with people as much as I do. I don't typically don't allow for that mm-hmm. for various reasons. So it's helped me think a little more outside the box and be try to be more in tune with um, other people. I guess. Nice. Yeah, that's such an amazing feeling that that energy that comes off of a group who all have, you know, it seems like when you go to a concert when everyone's connected like that, like our consciousness is literally connected in that moment and only that moment and you get to share that collective energy and it just fills you up it gives you goosebumps you know it makes you want to dance it's so amazing um so jerome i want to thank you for coming on the podcast today um it was a pleasure to have you really appreciate it i'm sorry i I, uh just have been super nervous yeah no worries you did great i really appreciate it yeah um and remind our listeners that uh, the word only gets out if you like and share our podcast, so please do so. Please share by word of mouth. That's also a great way to get it out, too. Um, or sit, sit one of your friends down and have them listen to an episode. Uh, that always works as well. Um, just want to remind you guys, you can find us at mindops.com. That's M-I-N-D hyphen O-P-S dot com. If you have any questions or comments for myself or my guests, please feel free to leave them there or on the podcast venue itself. Um, You can always donate to the podcast. All proceeds go towards upgrading our equipment to make the message clearer for you. Um, Jerome, is there anything you want to plug? Any social media, anything like that? You don't have to. Uh, I'm on Instagram at underscore Beazle. So that's B-E-E-Z-E-L underscore on Instagram. Uh, I have a small YouTube channel that I'm trying to build out, and it's just documenting various things that we do. Um, you know, pictures are one thing, but videos are a whole another realm. And that's uh, DDOS, so DDoS on YouTube. Um, nice. Other than that, I think that's it. Awesome. So thank you all for listening. Um, hope you can gain some useful information from this. But just remember, as always, as uh, Henry Rollins likes to say, who I'm going to see this Sunday, by the way, VIP meet and greet tickets, awesome. But he always says, knowledge without mileage is bullshit. So... Don't just keep this knowledge up in your brain. Uh, use it and you know put, put it to some good use and, and do a little bit of uh, social experiments on yourself and, and try and improve um, your human experience while we still have it. All right, we'll see you next time. This is Shane LeMaster for Conversations with the Mind and Jerome signing off.